Welcome to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning together Mishpatim, the Parsha of Mishpatim. Our Aliyah, the first Aliyah, is 19 Psukim long, running from a Perik Yichof Aleph, Pasuk Aleph to Pasuk Yom. The Parsha as a whole contains 118 Psukim. The focus of our Aliyah is Eved Ivri, the Hebrew bondsman, and personal responsibility. Let's take a look at a general overview and then we'll jump into some points to ponder. The parasha starts off with the words, These are, and these are, the laws that you'll place in front of them. Moshe is told, the first section deals with what's called an Eved Ivri, the Hebrew bondsman, who is a Israelite, who is sold into slavery. He works for up till the end of the sixth year of the Shemitah cycle. And uh, if he comes in alone, he goes out alone. If he is, uh, uh, and uh, if he comes in with a wife, he leaves with, with his wife. We hear that uh, he could also be married. Uh, he, the master can marry him to a maidservant during the time that he's is in bondage. At the end of the six years, he's supposed to go out. If he says to the master, I want to stay, then in that case, the master has to present him in front of the court and they will um, pierce his ear. And he'll serve him forever, understood in halacha to be till the 50th year. We then hear about the Amar Ivriya. This is the Hebrew bondswoman. This is a, person, a young lady who's, uh, who's, who works in service, indentured servant to, to another person. Um, till either we hear a few pathways out, whether it be that uh, she gains her own freedom, whether it is that she is married to uh, to, to somebody in the master's household, um, and there's a lot of protections which are put into place. We hear about this as to the responsibilities the master has towards his ama ivriya. We then hear a few other laws, that if a person murders, then they will be put to death. But if that a person who was not planning to kill, Hashem tilted their hands, then there's going to be a place for the, that such a person, an unintentional murder to go. That's with a hint to the Ar Mekla, to the cities of refuge. And then we talk to, then we hear about a, a person who does murder intentionally will be taken from the altar. They'll be uh, taken from the, the altar from, uh, that they're seeking refuge from. A person who hits their parents will die. A person who, who kidnaps another person um, and uh, and sells them will, will be put to death. A person who curses his parents will be put to death. Um, and, and then finally we hear if there's a fight between people and one person hits the other one, um, whether it be with their hand or an implement, and the person is injured but doesn't die, in that case, there are, there are certain payments which have to be paid. Um, there's no capital case because the person lived. But there's certain payments that need to be made. So this is the general overview of our Aliyah, some very basic um, civil laws of society towards the end of the Aliyah, and then we have the Eved Ivri and the Amar Ivriya at the beginning of the Aliyah. So a few points to ponder. And number one is, why is this whole parasha here in the first place? Why is this the next step right after Sinai? So Rashi explains that we just finished talking about the laws of the Mizbech, the altar, uh, coming close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So uh, we should know that when the, when the Torah uses the letter Vov to connect Ve'Eli HaMashpatim, clearly the two ideas are connected. And that is, is the laws, or the social laws governing society are connected to the Mizbech, to the altar to Hashem, which means the two roles um, um, of law to govern the relationship between ourselves and our Creator and the laws that govern ourselves and our colleagues, Ben Adon Lomako, are integrally related, both the Mizbech coming close to Hashem and the, the laws, which is why it says Rashi that the Sanhedrin, which is where the great uh, uh, the assembly of the great um, Sanhedrin Agad, or the great um, um, court, would be actually in the Lishka Hagazis, which is a particular chamber, chamber this hewn chamber, which is right adjacent to the Mizbeach.
Um, I would just argue that it goes further. You see that Hashem is trying to tell us that these two systems are connected to each other. We may have thought that they're disconnected. The ritual um, uh, is, is separate to social. And the Torah is telling us that the two are connected to each other. However, the Torah also emphasizes the two are also in their own silos at the same time. So for instance, when we see an overlap later on in the Aliyah where a person murders another but seeks refuge on the Mizbah, so they, they, they seek refuge in the ritual relationship place, a part of the, of the law, that does not work. So the altar and the court are connected, but they are not going to necessarily be, uh, offer clemency one for the other. Um, the, the question really is, is why is the Eved Ivri the first law? Why, uh, why is the first of all the laws chosen, the one of this, of this Hebrew bondsman? So the Ramban explains in a very beautiful idea, so this emphasizes the ideas, the concepts of all the most important underpinnings of the Torah, the cycle of sevens, the cycle, the idea of freedom, the idea that Hashem created the world, which is built into the cycle. That means to say that when people work, it's a seven cycle, like it is the same cycle of Shabbos. So this, it, it gets to the very underpinnings of what freedom means, what it means to be free, what it means to serve, what it means to have a greater system of knowing that Hashem is in the world. However, Rav Hirsch makes a very interesting point, and this is a, um, a methodological point which is very, very important to appreciate. And that is there's two parts to Torah. There's the, the Torah Shabal Peh and the Torah Shabirsav, the Oral Torah and the Written Torah. The Written Torah, of course, includes Aseris Adibros and the scroll of the Torah itself, which was actually written down. The Torah Shabal Peh, of course, it has numerous different parts to it, but the, we'll take for a moment the most basic part of the Torah Shabal Peh, which is the understanding the tradition which helps us explain what the Torah Shabirsav means. So, um, for instance, when the Torah tells us when to keep Shabbos, the oral Torah tells us what is Shabbos actually mean. When the Torah tells us to, to take a pre-eight sadar, the, the oral Torah explains that that refers to a citron, an esrog. So there's a lot of parts where the Torah Shabbat explains what the, the actual Torah Shabbat was doing. So what's the relationship between those two? Generally speaking, we, we have the idea, um, we, we, are, we understand that um, there are two, two, separate, two separate realms. The main point is the Torah Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat is explaining and augmenting to be able to understand what the Torah Shabbat is saying. However, I've heard says, what happens if we were to conceptualize it in the reverse? If you ever had the opportunity, La Havdil, of going to one's in college, an advanced course, let's say in physics, La Havdil, and one goes to the lecture and one takes notes, one writes notes down in, in one's binder, and one comes out of the lecture. Now, let's say somebody asks to borrow your, your lecture notes. So, you being a very you know, altruistic individual, you give your notes to the other person. Will it really help them? The answer is somewhat, meaning they'll be able to see the notes, but really, to really have understood what went on in that physics lab or in that course, you need to have actually been there. When you were there, then the notes make sense. That NB, that underline, that asterisk in the margin, all those different pieces make sense now because you were at the lecture. In a certain sense, says, says Rav Hirsch, the main point of the conveying of Torah was the experience, the lecture. The Torah, that was the experience of Sinai. That's the Torah Shaval But, the lecture notes, the notes to help us remind us in, recre in recreating that experience is the Torah Shabbat, which is why we pay clear, careful de 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 attention to the lecture notes. So that being the case, every little detail is not actually, we, we sometimes question the details. Is this the way you, you publish a textbook? So people say, you know, is this, is this the most logical law to have first? Rav Hirsch says, no, no, no. If you had the lecture, you had to understand. And this is just a note to remind us of this part of that experience of what the Torah system is. So as an example, Rav Hirsch says, the first law about the Hebrew slave, the Hebrew the bondsman, 
is the idea that Hashem talked about the dignity of the human being. And it starts with the exceptional case in the lecture notes in the Torah Shavik where you're talking about the dignity of a criminal, a person who requires rehabilitation in society, a person who's being given a second chance. That's where the notes were to identify the exceptional ex uh, case of understanding the human condition of dignity. That's what's being described over here as well. Now, if you notice something interesting, when you look at all these uh, the, the, the laws by the Evid Ivri, and certainly augmented by Chazal, the Torah Shaval Peh, there are a lot of interesting halachas. You need to provide them with food and shelter. You need to feed them before yourself. You need to, if you, let's say there's only one pillow to be had, the Gomorrah says, that one gives that pillow to the Evid Ivri. In a certain sense, the, the Gomorrah says that a person who buys an Evid Ivri, Kona Adon La'atzmai, buys a master for themselves. There's so many responsibilities. Now, here's an interesting thing. When the Torah talks about a society, it does not talk about rights. It talks about obligations. You want to have a slave? Here are your obligations to the slave. In, even, even if you think about the framing of murder, which is what the next law. It's deemed not as my right to live, but your, your right or response, sorry, your responsibility to protect the lives of those around you. Hurting parents. It's not about the parents having rights against their children. It's about the children having responsibilities to their parents. And this is fascinating because every right really is an obligation. My right to life is your responsibility not to harm life. But... It's interesting that as opposed to, let's say, for instance, in the Declaration of Independence, where in, the, in America, which is truly a magnificent country, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. May are endowed by their creator by certain unalienable rights. Among those, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those, that the starting point is that every person has rights. And let's protect the rights of the individual and the right of society. In Judaism, it starts with obligations. What difference does it make, you ask? The, uh, the answer is, is it a society of givers or is it a society of takers? You have a society which, is, which enshrines the value of rights, then everybody says, well, wait a second, I deserve this. I deserve that. I'm going to sue because I did not get what it was that I wanted. In a society which is governed by Eli HaMishpatim, these are the laws, this is what you have the responsibility to. It comes out with almost the same equation in terms of the basic social law. There are certain things that my right to life is your responsibility to protect life. In the end of the day, it creates a society of people who are responsible for each other. That's a very important distinction to be thinking about in terms of this. Um, Many years ago, in, in John Gray's uh, book, Men of Mars and Women of Venus, they, uh, they used to have a, uh, a subtitle now has since been removed, but it used to be a practical guide in improving communication and getting what you want in your relationship. Well, if that's your attitude to marriage, that's not going to be a very good attitude because marriage is not about getting what you want out of your relationship. It doesn't work like that with our spouses and it certainly does not work like that with God. That's what the Mishpatim is, is here are your responsibilities. Moving on to another question. Why does the Evid Ivri have his ear pierced? Out of all things, what, why is this the fitting punishment for a person who wants to stay? Rashi says, because let's examine how an Evid Ivri got into this circumstance in the first place. One is because the person could have been poor, and this is a rehabilitation program to about, allow them to earn enough money to pay back their creditors to get back on their two feet. That's one possibility. The other is that the person stole and did not have the money to repay, so based in sells this person to repay their debts to be able to rehabilitate them. Those are the two options. Rashi says, either way, when the person decides that he wants to stay as a servant, essentially he has disregarded either one of two commandments. Either he, he disregarded what he had heard at Sinai, which is lo sigzol, a person should not steal, lo signov, um, or the person disregarded you are my servants, says Hashem to the nation of Israel. You're not servants to other servants. You cannot subjugate yourself to another person. You've forgotten where you are. You've forgotten that you're a free person. That's why the ear which heard these laws is the one that is in fact pierced. 
later on, as we move into the Aliyah, where it talks about the person who's an accidental murderer, we hear the words, Hashem tilted their hand. That seems against, against all the principles that we hold to be true about free will, that a person has the opportunity to choose. Wait a second, why is God leaning in over here? The Gemara Makos Dav tells us that in fact the, the, the Pasuk is referring to a very specific case where it talks about two people, two murderers. One is an intentional murderer and one is an unintentional murderer. Both got out scot-free, whether there were no witnesses, the, the circumstance didn't provide, there was a technicality, whatever it is that they are no longer um, getting the, ju- the justice that they, do, they so deserve. They both come to the same end. The one who is the intentional murderer is, is sitting underneath the ladder. The one who is the unintentional murderer is going down that ladder and falls off, killing the person underneath him. In that case, because it's in a public setting, the one who is the unintentional murderer now has to go to God, is getting his meat, and the person who is the murderer gets killed. Which means to say, yes, there are times where Hashem will tilt our hands to do things, but not because we're undeserving. We become the vehicle to something which we already were deserving as well. The other way the Gomorrah puts this is Those who have already demerits are the ones who are going to perform further negative behaviors in society. They'll be the vehicles to those as well. So there's a, a, the balance of a person making a choice and the balance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu moving the system along in order to facilitate the necessary justice as well. Finally, one last question earlier is that at the end of the earlier we hear about a person, her harming another person, and we hear about a lot of payments. What are those payments that a person is supposed to pay? So Rashi explains from the last two Psukim and Aliyah, Pasuk Yudches and Yudtes, there are five payments. Based on glories of Abakama, that a person is responsible to pay when a person harms another person. One is Nezek, that's the basic physical damage that's created to cry on the person. The person bruises their arm, chops off a finger, God forbid. All these things, there's a monetary value for that. Sheves, it means the, the unemployment. The person cannot work for X amount of time. That is evaluated. And the question is what they're evaluated at. What level of workmanship are they evaluated at? Very interesting discussion that the Gomorrah has in Babakama. Then there's Ripoy, hospital bills. That's pretty simple, um, pretty, pretty standard. Boishes is, is an embarrassment. So the person is, is embarrassed. There are opinions who say, this is our call. It depends on the level of the person who's doing the embarrassing and the person who is embarrassed because that would differ depending on how. How, how, how high a status in society either one of them are, and finally, tsar, the amount that the, the, um, of pain that a person underwent. These are the five payments that a person will have to pay, which are which are almost explicit in these last two psukim. With us, we close the first aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.